Welcome, one and all, to a little thing we like to call the Good Judgment Podcast. The episode notes for this incredibly entertaining and informative episode that you are about to consume are available at goodjudgepod.com. That's goodjudgepod.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Patton. And I am still continuing to be Tame Kell. Loyal listeners know that we always ask for topic suggestions for future episodes in every episode we record. Yeah, and what we find interesting or important may not be all that interesting or important to you, you know, because it's us and vice versa. So today we're going to address a topic that has been requested by several listeners, specifically Judge Warren Davis. Shout out Gwinnett County. Way to go, Warren. And Judge Anna Maria Martinez, my girl. Gab, DeKalb County State Court. We yeah, love she's y'all. awesome. We love our state court listeners. Shout out to Judges Davis and Martinez. We say it Martinez in Columbia County. Did you know that? I know y'all do. Because there's a city called Martinez. There is. But it's not really a city. But that's another whole issue, right? Yeah, that's right. So, hey, if you yourself would like to be shouted out on our podcast, and who wouldn't, please send us a great, don't send us crummy ones. Send us a great topic idea, preferably with all of the research already done. (laughs) That way it can be my topic because then I'll have some (laughs) research associated. But send that to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Now, today, the, the topic that our FOPs, Friends, Friends of the, of the podcast, podcast, today, the topic that they have asked us to discuss are probation revocation hearings. And Tane, I look back, I thought we had done this. We kind of did it as a part of the old criminal process, but right. not really with any detail. No, no, we just touched on it. But uh, probation revocations hearing, oh, I miss them so much. Another memory from my prior life on the bench. <laughs> you know, to not have been gone as long any more than you have. A year. But it's like ancient history. It's like, you know, back when I was young. So it's funny, Wade. It's just like when I took the bar exam and you took it and you had all that knowledge in your head. And then the next morning, it was like you just flushed the toilet and it all went away. All that rule against perpetuities. It's all gone, man. Yeah, all all that UCC stuff. Yeah. But hey, Wade, without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Probation revocation hearing. So a sentence has been imposed, Tane, in a criminal case, and the judge probated at least some portion of that sentence, right? Which happens. Yeah, sure. But wait, there's a problem. Dun, dun, dun. The defendant has not complied with the conditions of probation. That and the probation. Happens. And the I, I would love to know the stat on that. <laughs> and the probation officer has filed something with the court that requires a probation revocation. Like hearing. a ham sandwich. They, yeah. they filed a ham sandwich. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, there are a variety of different ways that we can arrive at this point in the proceeding. So we'll start at the beginning. How does the case get before the court in the first place? So there are a variety of different ways for the probation revocation matter to come come before the court, but there's one constant. There must be a revocation petition. That's right. Before the hearing, the defendant must be served with the revocation uh, petition. And like always, folks, there's some citations for this authority. So be sure and check us out at goodjudgepod.com. Go ahead, Wade. But those out there in podcast land may be saying to yourself, wait, 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 wait. What about the situation where the defendant absconds supervision and cannot be found? How in the Sam Hill, Tane, do you serve that revocation petition? 
Right now, I'm just imagining in my head that we have the sound effect for all those cartoons where the person is running, but they're not actually going anywhere. And their yeah. feet are going, anyway, I'm sorry. I wish we had that sounder for y'all. If we could find the person, the defendant, to serve him with the, I'm sorry, the probationer, uh, to serve him or her with the petition, they would be, they would not necessarily be considered to have absconded, right? I mean, if we, if we knew where they were, then we wouldn't have this that's problem. That's right. We wouldn't have this issue. And so- you would be absolutely correct, those of you in podcast land. There are ways to handle the absconded defendant. But Indeed. the point being made, and the one that we want you to hear, is that before there is a probation revocation hearing, there must be a probation revocation petition, and that petition has to be served on the defendant. That's correct. Now, there are times, Tane, when the probation officer will allege that the defendant has absconded supervision or otherwise can't be served with the revocation petition for some reason. Mm-hmm. The officer will present you with a probation arrest warrant application. Not always, but sometimes. Right? That is correct. Okay, you had some of those. That's way back right. way back in your career of being a judge. That's right. These warrant applications are frequently accompanied by things like a tolling order, for example. If the defendant can't be found, you you hold things in abeyance until we can lay our hands on them. You don't let them play out the clock. So remember... However, that the time left on probation continues to run unless and until a tolling order is entered. Yeah, more on tolling the time remaining on a probation sentence in just a moment. Hang, hang on to that one. So not all probation hearings, Tane, begin with a warrant application. Occasionally, the officer will schedule the defendant for what we call in, a, in, in the Columbia Circuit and the Augusta Circuit a walk-in hearing. And that's, yeah, that's what we called it, too. So that's where the defendant remains free from custody and is allowed to appear at the revocation hearing from the street or off the street. I'm using quotes here. Yeah. And if we had that sounder, we'd know that. Ding, ding. Quotes. Yeah. Um, again, uh, the probationer must be served with the revocation petition before the hearing. So just because it's a walk-in hearing, it doesn't change that. So let's start with what, what must be in that petition, Tane. Sure. What is contained is very important. Tell the people why. That's right. Well, probation can't be revoked for the reasons for things that are not set forth in the petition. It's kind of like a contempt hearing. You got to you got to set out the reasons that you're seeking a contempt in that. Same with a probation hearing in, on the criminal side. You've got to tell them what they're potentially going to be revoked for. If the petition does not allege that the defendant has absconded supervision, there is no right of the trial judge to toll that probation time from running, continuing to run. That's right. But a variance in proof between what is alleged in the petition and what is proved at hearing is not fatal to the revocation. In other words, you may not know all the facts or the facts may come out differently at the hearing. The defendant has to just know Essentially, the charges or the things that are alleged to new be a violation. Yeah, new Technical violation. Yeah, whatever, whatever violates drug, the provision hot of drug probation. Test, and one of the big things is going to be essentially to say, here's what your probation requires. Here's what you didn't do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be all that. Um, it doesn't have to be any sort of treatise or anything. That's right. So inadequate, inadequacy of a petition is not necessarily a basis for setting aside a res, revocation where proof at a hearing provides evidentiary support that the violation included in the petition, in fact, did occur. So even if you got some of the details wrong. Sure. So assuming that the petition alleges that the probation probationer has committed a new offense of felony theft by taking, but proof of trial, proof at the hearing, I guess, shows a burglary or, or vice, vice versa. versa yeah. yeah. The, that difference between what is alleged in the petition and what was proved at the hearing is not fatal to a revocation. Yeah, as we'll discuss in a moment, what is contained in the petition dictates the amount of time that may be revoked, though. Another helpful hint from your friends here at the Good Judgment Podcast. 
Nothing is ever revocated. Yeah. That's one of those words that just grates on me like fingernails on a chalkboard. I'm going to get revocated. Despite the number of times defendants and lawyers and uh, probation officers will use that word, things are revoked. They're not revocated. Not revocated. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about tolling. We told everybody we're coming back to tolling. Um, a few minutes ago, we touched on this topic of tolling and now that usually coincides, I don't know if it always does, but usually coincides with the defendant absconding supervision. That's certainly the most frequent use of it. I don't know if it can be used in any other situations, but probation officers don't have the authority to toll a sentence on their own accord. I mean, that makes sense. It, it, it has to be done by court order. They're, they're stopping the running of a court order. They have to have a court order to do that. I guess equal dignity or one of those things. Sure. As to tolling orders, Georgia law provides that a probated sentence can be tolled upon the probationer failing to report to the officer as directed must have an affidavit from the officer making that true. And by the way, that's a real affidavit, like with a notary and stuff. Right. Yeah. Some of those cases have been reversed. Yeah. And, and that's something just as a side note, check that yeah. <laughs> when you get those and see that they got, I mean, you know, these are they're pretty in, good about it. But well, and they're signed in volume sometimes. And sometimes they miss the fact that they didn't get it uh, notarized by somebody. But anyway, right, now, what else, what else can, uh, can do that way? So how do you pronounce that? Non-est investus. Okay. In other words, can't find them, can't yeah. serve them. Um, or some other return of the probation warrant where it's alleged a defendant cannot be found at his or her county of residence or cannot be found at the place that they are identified. If the probated sentence has been told, the effective date of the tolling of the sentence shall be the what, Tane? The, the date, date that the court, court enters, enters a tolling, tolling order. order. Yeah, orders require orders. Yeah, you can't go back and, and, and you know, post predate the the order you can't do those kinds of things and 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 that order also continues until the probationer shall personally report to the officer or that person is taken into custody in this state or is otherwise available to the court so those are the things that would end that tolling you know that would be one of those things where tame for example you got arrested on other charges you're now available to the court right so in the state, it, it, too, as long, it's, as, long it's, as you're in my, my, my jail, I, I would think it would be my jail. I haven't done deep research on this, but I would think my jail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any told period of time shall not be included in computing creditable time served on probation or any part or as any part of the time that probationer was originally sentenced to serve. Yeah. So uh, a caution here, if you enter a tolling order, also remember to enter something that says when the tolling is over, because it gets very confusing sometimes in calculating the person's time. If you haven't, as the trial court judge, entered something saying, hey, you know, I entered a tolling order on such and such a date, and then the defendant was arrested and in my jail on such and such a date, which ended the time of tolling or something like that. So, Tane, earlier you told everybody to look out for the non-notarized uh, affidavit yes they need any case law we got it in our outline they can find it at goodjudgepod.com now yeah. the tolling of a probated sentence following the return of an arrest warrant showing non-est that's the way we've always said is non-est right because we can't say in other words inventus in, inventus yeah not i said investus it's inventus yeah. um yeah non-est uh, is, is intended to prevent the probationer from avoiding the potential adverse impact of revocation merely by avoiding the court in other words the the, the probationer can't run out the clock or play four corners right so let's talk about a first offender sentence in the probation revocation realm to tame because it that that gets to be a lot sure so let's 
Let's talk about a statute here, OCGA section 42-8-60. Every time a statute is cited, an angel gets his wings. When a defendant has not been previously convicted of a felony, the court may, upon a plea of guilty and before an adjudication of guilt, without entering a judgment of guilt and with the consent of the defendant, defer further proceedings and, number one, place the defendant on probation, or number two, sentence the defendant to a term of confinement. So that is the actual language of the First Offender Act that we all talk about all the time, but rarely go and pull. That's that's a good point. So under the First Offender Act, a person is, is either exonerated of guilt and stands discharged as a matter of law upon completion of the term of probation or, or confinement, or is adjudicated guilty in a petition filed prior to the expiration of that sentence. The statute does not provide for any other alternative. And the reason that became relevant, in a case that is cited here, the, 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 there was no tolling order. They thought there was, mm-hmm. but there was, nobody could produce a tolling order. Therefore, the sentence expired before they could get the defendant served and get him to a probation revocation hearing. So therefore, there... That defendant's first offender had to be confirmed. No probation revocation could occur. They won. The paperwork didn't follow the facts situation. Sure. Well, first offender sentences are often said to have a good side and a bad side or an upside and a downside. You hear that language describing it all the time. The good side obviously has been addressed previously where the uh, defendant has not been convicted of a crime during the pendency of the sentence. Uh, The judge is careful to note that he or she is withholding adjudication of guilt when the sentence uh, the defendant when when that person sentences the defendant to a first offender sentence. So now the down now the downside or the upside or the other side. Right. The other side of first offender is the defendant can be revoked and adjudication of guilt entered and then sentenced to the maximum amount of time that the judge could have sentenced that defendant to under law for, for that offense at the time of sentencing. But and this is important because if you don't advise the defendant of this at the time of sentencing, it becomes a problem. The defendant gets credit for time that he or she has been on probation without incident. Right. So if you get revoked during first offender, you can be brought back before the court and resentenced up to the maximum, as we just said a second ago. But you always have to give that credit for what they have already served. And that's another reason that these tolling orders are important and that they need to be explicit so that you can figure out how to calculate how much time they've served on first offender before you resentence them. Folks, we'll be right back after this pause for station identification. Folks, this is Wade and Tane. You're listening to the Good Judgment Podcast on the World Wide Web or wherever else you listen to these things. As always, you can find outlines for these podcast episodes as well as any supplemental materials on our website, which is goodjudgepod.com. We'd love to have your feedback about the podcast, and we get that at our email, goodjudgepod at gmail.com. We're always looking for suggested podcast topics. Please feel free to submit your suggestions to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Operators are standing by. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to like us and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And tell your friends it's how we get to grow our listenership. Thanks. And now back to our studio audience. I want to venture off the path for just a second. Okay. We're going four wheeling here, folks. Go ahead, Wade. So first offender sentences. Yeah. 
you, you have to give credit for time that they have been on probation without incident. Yeah, the but successful you, time. So let's talk about a sentence where a theft by shoplifting felony has a max sentence of 10 years. Okay. On the day of sentencing, I sentence you to five years on probation. Okay. Under the First Offender Act. Sure. In year two, mm-hmm. exactly for some reason, year two, mm-hmm. that person messes up and we're back on a revocation. That's the, the time that's told. Mm-hmm. The defendant could be sentenced up to eight years. Right. The 10 max minus the two credit. Right. Now, and here's. Say, say resentence just to make me feel better because you've already been sentenced and then you go back and you start. Can adjudicate it. them guilty. There you go. There adjudicate go. them guilty and resentence them up to the max. In that case, 10 years minus the two years they've already served, total of eight years. I didn't know there'd be math in this. I know, man. All right. So here's, here's my off roading. Venture. Yeah. First offender on misdemeanor. People use them because they just become convinced or they convince themselves they'll never be back before the court. I this am is such a, a good guy. I am going to use this on a DUI and it will well, never. Well, you can't, not, not, not a DUI. I'm sorry, not a DUI. I'm going to use this on a jaywalking. Theft by shoplifting. <laughs> yeah, theft by shoplifting. Something you know, like sim- a battery, right. whatever. Yeah. But the problem is, is as the judge, you don't have the same hammer. Mm-hmm. because a year is a year. If you, I mean, it, it's the same scenario, right? but it's lost forever when people do that. And I can't tell you the number of times that people come back and go, well, he got a first offender on a simple battery back seven years ago. And you're like, Ugh. bet you wish you had that right now in your drug possession. Ain't that the truth. All right. So we finally made it to the hearing, Tane. Oh, finally. We've quit. We've also quit uh, four wheeling. Okay. And we're back on the road now. And so the standard of proof for a probation revocation action is preponderance of the evidence. Yeah. Remember that, folks, preponderance of the evidence. A copy of Wade's probation revocation hearing outline is attached to the outline in this case at goodjudgepod.com. So you can actually change it as you wish, but you have it as a, a, an appendix to this probation revocation hearing episode note. After assuring the defendant has the right to counsel, right to appointed counsel in Superior Court. That's right. Then you administer oath to the defendant, probation officer, and all the witnesses. Now, is that required yet? No. It's just a whole lot easier to not miss. Yeah, just everybody raise your yeah, hands. Everybody we'll raise your hand. We're going to swear you all in. Yeah. So ensure that this is kind of how my outline goes. Ensure that everyone is on the same page as to the amount of time that could be revoked. Go ahead and have the fight now. Go ahead and talk about first offender now or conditional discharge or anything else we need to talk about. Tolling. Let's make it all clear. How much time is left. Right. And then the next thing that you do is you put on the record whether the probationer is admitting or denying the allegations in the petition. At at my calendar where we did all of these, there was always a long period of time where all of these cases were being discussed between usually appointed counsel and the defendants so that we could make a determination of how many of them we needed to have a full-blown hearing or how many of them were just going to be a sentencing hearing of some kind. And I'm sure that's the way most of you have it as well. Now, you may have situations, Tane, like I did, that I do, that you did, I do, but where there are technical violations and new offense violations. Right. And the defendant, will, the probationer or whatever through counsel may say, we will admit the technicals. We are denying the new offense. And just give people an example of technicals just so we're not confused about that. So not only is it alleged you've committed a new burglary, but you also quit reporting and you haven't paid your financial obligation. Haven't done some community service or something like that. Those also, are technical. Yeah, all technicals. And so 
the max, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. There is a there's a cap on how much of time that time can be revoked. So sometimes defendants will offer up, I will plea or admit to the technicals, but I deny the new offense, and then the prosecutor has to decide. Yeah, do we want to go forward to try to get more time on the on the the offense? So you recall that we discussed previously the fact that the revocation petition dictates what acts or failures to act can be considered by the court in making a revocation decision, right, Tane? That's right. The contents of the petition also dictate the amount of time that can be revoked, as we will discuss in a moment. So a court may not revoke any part of a probated or suspended sentence unless the defendant admits the violation as alleged or unless the evidence produced at the revocation hearing establishes by that preponderance we've talked about the violation of the violations alleged, their sites in the, in the outline. Right. And, and a good uh, rule of thumb also is, generally speaking, hearsay is not allowed in a uh, probation revocation hearing. We could have a whole episode on that because yeah. it's really cool. It's one of the few places that our rules differ from the federal rules. But that's, right. that's neither here nor there for right now. It's just not. Yeah. You, you will note we said generally, and then that hearsay is not admissible. If you ever find yourself in a situation where a Crawford issue is raised. Or which, a feeble fester issue, for that matter. <laughs> a Crawford issue, which is much like <laughs> it's confrontation clause, usually in hearsay. Right. See that case of Grimes that's in the outline. We're not going to dwell on the confrontation clause, but just understand this isn't a trial. Right, right. Stated another way, um, if there's an allegation that the probationer committed a new offense, evidence must be presented subject to cross-examination at the probation revocation hearing that would meet the preponderance of the evidence standard. So time that can be revoked. Let's talk about that technical violations and all those caps and new offenses. If you're only handling a technical violation, and we've talked about what those are, the maximum time that can be revoked is the balance of probation or two years, whichever is less. Right. So that would include any new misdemeanor offenses. The court can revoke the entire balance of the sentence for any violation of a special condition of probation. Now, remember, remember what those are, uh, the things that you tell them at the time of sentencing. The special conditions, Tane, where can they find that? In OCGA section 42-8-34.1. Every time a statue decided, an angel gets his wings. I just feel good when we were able to get an angel its wings. You, you, you have to... <laughs> I wonder if our listeners feel the same way. You ha- the trial court <laughs> has right. to warn the way defendant. To go, <laughs> way to go. We got some more. <laughs> the trial court has to warn the defendant of the potential consequences of violating a special condition at the time of sentencing. Now, whether you do that in writing, whether you do that verbally, everybody has their own thing. I'd probably do both. Mm-hmm. It must be in writing at, at least. And the warning must be in the court's original sentence. Right. If the evidence, either admission or preponderance proof, shows that the defendant committed a new felony while on probation, Tane, the court can revoke no more than the lesser of the balance of probation or the maximum time the sentence authorized to be imposed for the new felony offense. Right. So, for example, if your new felony offense is one for which the maximum time is, let's say, five years, you have eight years remaining on your sentence, the most time that you could revoke is the full amount of the felony sentence, which would be the five years. Unless, of course, Tane. There are. Unless, of course, it was the original sentence included a specific condition of probation that was violated by your your violation, or the the sentence was a first offender sentence. When you can bring them in and, and, and revoke the balance. That's right. right. 
So options following your revocation petition. So if there is sufficient evidence, either by admission or otherwise, to support the revocation, you need to make that finding on the record. You note that it was stipulated or that you found by a preponderance of the evidence and return the probationer to the original terms and conditions of probation. That's one thing you could do. Yes. You could also obtain if there is sufficient evidence to support a finding that the probationer violated the terms of probation. There's probably, I don't know, three or four other options. Why don't you uh, start down this list? I guess it's five total. Sure. So first of all, there's no requirement that probation has to be revoked. The judge has the right to return the probationer to probation without revocating, right, Wade? (laughs) Uh, Without revoking any part of the sentence. However, a finding of sufficient evidence may allow the trial court to amend the original sentence. That's just a thought. If there is sufficient evidence of a technical violation, something other than a new felony offense, some violation of the rules of probation or a misdemeanor, the court shall consider alternatives to a full revocation, such as community service, probation detention centers, special alternative incarceration, or any other alternative. If those are not appropriate, no more than the balance of probation or a max of two years can be revoked, whichever is less. Right. And remember that any revocation for failure to pay financial obligations, fines, supervision fees, restitution, um, must include an analysis that is required under OCGA section 42-8-34.2. Every time a statue decided, an angel gets his wings. Oh, there's so many angels getting their wings today. If there is a violation of a special condition of probation, there is no limit on the amount of time that can be revoked. The trial court can revoke all or any portion of the remaining probated sentence. Yeah, I don't know about yours, Wade, but on our um, sentencing forms, we had it divided as to what you know the, the special conditions were that were included. And most of the things that we required um, on probation were conditions, I mean, were special conditions, things mm-hmm. like staying away from drugs, not being in places where drugs are, are found. You know what I, I actually phrased that in my sentences? You shall not be in the presence of any illegal drugs or drug paraphernalia. Right. So we don't have to prove it's yours. We don't have to prove you were All in possession. possession. Yeah. We don't have to prove any of that. It's a special condition that you just don't be around it. So, yeah. So the next one is, um, if the original sentence was a first offender sentence, the trial court may enter an adjudication of guilt, provided that the defendant is given credit for any time he has been on probation without incident. We talked about that, about that before. This revocation is not required, even where a violation has been proven. So in other words, you have the discretion to do that, but you don't, it's not mandatory. But until an adjudication of guilt is entered, the trial court cannot re-sentence the defendant on first offender and change the terms of the original sentence. Finally, if there was a if there was sufficient evidence, preponderance, remember, that the probationer committed the new felony offense, the amount of time that can be revoked is the lesser of the balance of probation or the maximum time of the sentence authorized by that new offense. Now, That's right. Tane, I know that you're a Shakespeare fan. Indeed. So tell the folks the next section of our outline. To revoke or not to revoke, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the minds to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of trouble. I'm sorry. I, I get carried away sometimes. Wow. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Wade. When it comes to the philosophy of whether to revoke probation, how much to revoke or not, etc., it would be impossible for us to share our thoughts in any sort of non-biased way. 
Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Every judge has has her own predispositions and inclinations. But let's talk about it from a thousand feet, not in the weeds. Sure. So what do you do, Wade? What, what's your what's your thought about revocations and when they seem appropriate in a general sense and when they don't? I generally try to reward probationers who admit violations and do not demand an evidentiary hearing. That is, it is probably a pretty base motivation, but it is better for my time, better for their time. We don't have to go through as much. And so I will generally reward that. Now, how do I reward that? A lot of times... I may well revoke time mm-hmm. and order incarceration of some sort or another. However, it will probably not be for the entire balance of the sentence. And when I do revoke for less than a balance, very frequently I will terminate that sentence because, unfortunately, a lot of probationers have new offenses. Mm-hmm. So now they've got to report to that probation and that probation and pay that supervision fee and my supervision fee. And I kind of I said, you know what, if you had seven, seven years and six months remaining, I might revoke six years, right? but then terminate this case and let you deal with one probation supervision between all these different cases. Well, and I did that too, and it was for kind of a different reason, but, but the reason in my mind was you've shown that you're not good at probation. <laughs> you, you've already shown that you don't function well, so we've now decided that incarceration is the choice that we, you know, maybe should have made at the very beginning, but certainly now we know. And so I don't want to put you back on something that we already know you don't do well, which mm-hmm. is probation. So I would give the appropriate amount of incarceration sentence and then just end probation at that. I do I do not personally believe in long probated sentences, Tane. Um, at some point, your obligations for what you did in 2003 need to be over. Agreed. And God knows I'm glad I'm not still paying the price for all the things I've ever done in my life. We're well past any statute of limitations. Yeah, I'm so excited about that whole statute of limitations thing. It's really good. Um, Yeah. If I handle another revocation, though, for a judge who's retired or something like that, and I find that it's like decades of probation, I'm going to try to cure that. Yeah. I just don't think that's fair. And I'll admit my philosophy at the outset, and it was probably more out of ignorance than anything else, was I put people on probation for way too long. I mean, I really did or originally. And, and later in my career, uh, probably the last 10 years of my career, I shortened that up. I, I had a, the same philosophy because data statistics have shown it, for most offenses, you're going to, uh, you know, re-offend. recidivate, reoffend, whatever, whatever you want to call it within three years. Uh, the data basically says that's the critical period. If you don't, if you don't reoffend within those three years, you're probably going to do okay. I'm a fan of second chances, Tane. I know you are too. Absolutely. Lord knows the two of us are beneficiaries of some second chances, Amen, brother. But I'm not big on third. Nope. And I'm, I'm just yeah. saying. Here's here's something I used to tell people in my sentencing, and I had it repeated back to me enough times that I know it was at least something they remembered. At the end of the sentence, I would always say something to the defendant to the effect of, you and I just don't need to see each other in this courtroom again. As long as we don't, then I know that you're doing well on probation and there's nothing else I need to do in your case. And I would say that to them because then when they would come back on a probation revocation hearing, I would say, remember at your sentence when I said you and I did not need to see each other in this courtroom again? This is what I was referring to. And the to. defendant will be astonished you remembered that. Ex- oh, and that's exactly why I did it because they're like, I can't believe he remembered he said that to me. <laughs> so and you know good I say well. it a thousand well. times. <laughs> but so anyway. 
So that's all for our episode dealing with probation revocation hearings. I hope we address some of those issues that that our friends, there's a lot more, (laughs) but I I hope that that gives our friends, uh, judge Davis and judge Martinez, the, the sort of the, the things they were hoping that we would touch on. Sure. I mean, you know, there are as many different factual situations as there are hard and fast rules. The reason that we've not jumped off this cliff before is because of the vast factual and procedural differences that a judge may face as part of the probation revocation process. This outline of statutory and case citations, and which includes mine, uh, probation revocation outline, that can be found at goodjudgepod.com. And folks, as always, please reach out to us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com with all of your podcast topic ideas because we run out sometimes. <laughs> Truth. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. There's an iconic video for Twisted Sister's song, We're Not Gonna Take It. You remember the kid sitting on a bed listening to the Twisted Sister song while holding a guitar and his dad coming in and yelling at him. Do you know who played the dad in that video? Mark Metcalf. We know you don't remember that actor by name, but I bet you remember another famous role he played in in the movie Animal House. That's right. Mr. Metcalf played the role of Douglas C. Niedermeyer, everybody's person you love to hate in Animal House. That kind of crazy ROTC leader on the campus who famously railed Flounder during the movie. That's why in the video, it's funny that he criticizes his kid for wearing a twisted sister pin. Is that a pledge pin on your uniform? Remember that famous Niedermeyer line? So anyway, it really is amazing the things you learn on this podcast, isn't it? Thank you, folks. Thank you for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. We try our best to give you actionable information, but in a format that does not make you want to hurt yourself. Two thoughts. Some topics allow us the latitude to be a little bit more fun. Number two, if we've failed you, we will try to do our best to do better in the next episode. We know that you have lots of choices and we're honored that you chose us this time. We're kind of amazed to be totally honest. This podcast began as a project that was initially the brainchild of Doug Ashworth, the former director and executive director of ICJE. Thanks and appreciation to Mr. Henneberger and the entire University of Georgia College of Law, my new part-time employer. Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, who helped edit out some of our stupidity and awkwardness. But hey, nobody can get it all. Thanks to our unsung hero, Kevin Holder. You are instrumental in our podcast being published and made available to the public. We should have been singing your praises all along, but we didn't, so... Tane and I are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead new judge orientation for the Superior Court Judges all across Georgia. Wade and I are also grateful to the State Justice Institute who allow us to do this through their generosity. You know that these are our opinions and do not reflect the opinions of ICJE, SJI, CSCJ, the University of Georgia College of Law, or anyone else for that matter. Contact us at goodjudgepod at gmail.com for any praise. Contact someone else with your complaints. But seriously, we would love your feedback, both good and bad. Send any comments to goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Please visit our website, goodjudgepod.com, for all our episode outlines and more details about our podcasts. Some of you send emails asking for copies of the outlines. 
Seriously, people, they're available 24-7, 365 at the website goodjudgepod.com. And we say that like 20 times during every broadcast. But seriously, you can upload or download or otherwise use them as you wish and on your schedule and at your convenience. Once again, I'm Wade Padgett. And as always, I'm Tane Kell. Thanks for listening.